Jurgen Klinsmann has made his decision. The announcement has been made. The 23 players have been chosen, and none of those players are named Landon Donovan. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. Out on the West Coast is Ivis Galarsap. What's up, buddy? Nothing much, Garrett. We're both on uh, Pacific time right now, and we're still doing the show super late. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not too late. But you know, Pacific time. It's a normal time for you. It'd be I don't know what four in the morning for you if we're recording the show on the East Coast. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's, 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 it's not too late for you. I'm still. You know what? I still like my mind is still on East Coast time, but uh, we have plenty to talk about. What a crazy, crazy day! And I know what everyone wants to talk about, and everyone what everybody wants to hear about. Can you guys believe it? Somehow, some way. Taylor Twellman did not make the U.S. World Cup <laughs> roster. He's going to find you. He's going to listen to this and find you. Well, and it, it, just to get, well, I'm sure people listening to the show by now will have already figured it out based on the setup. But yes, Taylor Twellman is our guest. We have a guest. We had to have a guest on this on this day of all days to to make sense of everything and 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 to kind of you know get in get another take on this uh, World Cup roster announcement. And yes, folks, Landon Donovan will not be playing in a fourth World Cup, and, and I think I, along with everyone else, uh, is still kind of shocked that that actually happened. I think everyone is. I mean, Twitter definitely exploded. I mean, it's still exploding. I mean, soccer's trending on, on Twitter, which, I mean, I don't know if that means anything because something will, will trend tomorrow, but, I mean, it was big news. It's, it's, I mean, within five seconds, Ivis, you sent up the you sent up the Batman SBI signal up into the air, and you're like, show now, so... Dude, tons to talk about, Ivis. This U.S. men's national team. I mean, Jurgen definitely caught everyone by surprise when he made the announcement on Thursday of, of mailing the 23 guys who are going to Brazil. Yeah, no, what's funny is, you know, I, I got here on Tuesday, and I really feel like most of the media that, that are covering the national team, uh, we had all kind of settled in on the idea that he would name his 23 uh, after the second game, after the game against um, against Turkey on June 1st. Uh, with June 2nd being the deadline for 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 the roster and and no I don't I don't I don't know anybody that even had any inkling that the roster would drop today it's funny cuz you know we had interviews this morning uh with some players and 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 it was just it came out of nowhere so you know I for me personally I was sitting down I was getting my list of things to do ready and I had all these stories ready to rock and about to start writing and then all of a sudden the news broke and it was like you know control select all delete and start over it's time for a whole new batch of things to write about and talk about and uh seeing the reaction on twitter was 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 something it was a sight to behold because i i i don't think i've ever seen uh so many u.s fans just completely freak out well it's so funny i mean you saw some people freaking out then you then you saw some people being like oh well you know of course it's form and i mean it shouldn't be that surprising and blah 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 look even if you're that person it is still surprising that landon donovan's not in the roster because i think you can still make the argument over certain guys that were called up that you would like to see landon donovan over those people but when the roster did come out ivis i mean what was your immediate reaction to it you know also not seeing landon donovan in it Right. I mean, I, that's that's the thing. Right. I mean, uh, there, there were there, there, there was evidence or at least there were kind of clues to suggest it was a possibility. Right. I mean, you had Klinsman making comments. You had Donovan making comments. Uh, you know, Donovan's like, I'm not a lock. Klinsman's, you know, his comments on the on the ESPN show about, you know, you know, Landon Donovan being treated, you know, as this untouchable uh, figure uh, by the media and all that. Uh, if you know, if you looked at it with fresh eyes, and, and I, I'll have to give her some credit. Caitlin Murray, 
our 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 uh, our writer, our SBI writer, Caitlin Murray. Caitlin Murray. Caitlin Murray. She had it figured out. She, you know, she does. She's never covered the national team before. She goes down to to camp and 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 hears Donovan. Hears sees the Klinsman stuff. She had it pegged. She she actually was going to write a story like that. You know, it looks like he isn't going to make the team. And and I think I, as anyone else who follows this national team, looked at that and said, "This is come on. I mean, this can't be." So credit to her. But I, I think anyone, based on as you could tell by the reaction of everybody, everyone who's been following this team for for years, it was so hard to just see it happening. Like. It's like you you could you could on one hand you could see Klinsman doing it, but on the other hand it's like is he really gonna do it? And you know what? It had to have come down to how Donovan looked in, in camp. I think if Donovan, I think if Landon Donovan came to camp and wowed everybody, if he came to camp and clearly head and shoulders looked better than everybody and looked unstoppable, then Klinsman would have had a really tough time uh, getting away with leaving him off this team. But uh, because I think that you know players, there would I think it would come out. I think players would come forward and say, "Listen, he was, he was looked amazing. This makes no sense." I think Klinsman would have had a tough time mm-hmm. uh, keeping that cat in the bag, so to speak. But you know what? Maybe Landon Donovan didn't wow anybody. Maybe the form that we've seen in MLS play carried over. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he looked a step slower uh, and, and opened that door for that possibility. But even with that, you're like, is are there really 23 total players? That are uh, you know obviously positions and and all that, but it's just it really is tough to imagine Donovan not being one of the twenty three. No, I, I, and I completely agree with you on that one because when you look at certain guys on on the roster, I mean you know for instance you know we'll talk to Taya Twelman a little bit more about the roster, but you know a guy like Brad Davis, I mean he I, I, personally I don't think he's looked that good for the U.S. Men's National Team. He had a lot of turnovers in that Mexico game, but I understand why he's there. He's going to provide service. He's you know he's he's really good on the ball. Get I mean with, with the left foot. I mean look if you watch Major League Soccer, I don't need to explain to you. You know what Brad Davis can do, but. When you look at some of the other people, I mean, Julian Green, he didn't really, like, blow the lights out against Mexico. DeAndre Yedlin, that one, is, I'm still scratching my head over that one. I, look, I understand why John Brooks is in there, but, I mean, some of these people, Ivis, I mean, you have to look at there and sit and say, man, would Julian Green really have more of an impact if Landon Donovan comes off the bench? That, that's going to be the biggest question going into Brazil. I mean, winning helps, but if the well, team doesn't well, win, it's going to be, I don't know, man, there's going to be a lot of finger pointing, a lot of question marks. No doubt about it. The pressure's on those fringe players. Those last guys on the roster, when you leave a guy like Landon Donovan off, it puts pressure on every single player on that roster to to show something. Because otherwise, it's the question. It's gonna the questions are gonna uh, are gonna fly. You know why? How did not? How could Donovan not have a place on this team? Now, uh, as far as some of the guys that we've mentioned, as far as Julian Green goes, you know the talent. There is talent there. I know some people will say, oh, he's never even played first division. He's never. You know how do, how can anyone know for sure? Um, you know, did we see that much in the Mexico game? I mean, uh, you know, it was a short cameo. He showed some signs. He also showed some bad signs. Uh, I mean, he could have, he really, for all, all rights, he should have drawn a penalty uh, on the foul, on that one foul against Mexico. But you know what? At the end of the day, none of us are in mm-hmm. the training camp. None of us can see how these guys look in training. Everything's been un- kept under wraps, completely secretive. I, I'll say one thing. This camp, I think more than any camp that I can remember, has been really uh, kept under wraps as far as, you know, you haven't had news leaking. You haven't had any really kind of information coming out. So it's t- it's hard to know for sure. It's hard to know who's looked good. It's hard to know who hasn't looked good. So all you can go off of is the picks. The, and, and Klinsman made it clear for the longest time now that he what would matter to him is form and how mm-hmm. guys look 
And you know what? If if you Julian if Julian Green looked good in camp, looked good in training, uh, then you can you can understand that. But obviously, none of us knows for sure. And that's why these upcoming games are going to tell us a lot because you figure all twenty three of these players are going to have their chance uh, to show what they can do in these games. And I think that's when we'll really kind of get a sense of just who is realistically going to help this team in Brazil. Well, and, and that's but that's the one thing that's surprising the most with this, Ivis, is, is Jurgen does announce the 30-man roster. And like you said before, I mean, you know, we're hoping to see, you know, some games. You know, you want to see how the U.S. men's national team does against Azerbaijan. And yes, Landon Donovan is, is not in the best of four. I mean, in seven starts in Major League Soccer this season, he scored zero goals. He's had two assists, but for the most part, Ivis, you know, we've talked about this over the last couple of weeks, that the Galaxy have just not really been much of a threat on offense, though. But but the one thing about Landon Donovan is, is and, and there's no question about this one, when you know when when the back is against the wall, when the chips are on the table, Landon Donovan has always shown an ability to step up, and it would have been nice to see him play against Azerbaijan because Landon Donovan he's a gamer. He knows when to step up at the right time, and it's unfortunate we don't get to see that. And you know it's going to put a lot of pressure on some of these guys. And the biggest thing, Ivis, is going into this World Cup, only five guys have played. Five guys have played in a World Cup before. It would have been nice to have Landon Donovan's experience. On this U.S. men's national team roster, maybe he didn't want to come off the bench, but in a perfect world, you sit there and say, man, only having five guys to the World Cup would have been nice having a six-guy, Landon Donovan, who has been the hero for the U.S. men's national team before. I don't know, man. A lot of it is just interesting. Like like I said before, winning helps. Winning is going to help if the U.S. men's national team goes to Brazil and wins games. Until then, though, there's going to be a lot of question marks and a lot of questions that are going to be asked to Jurgen about this roster. Right. Well, he's definitely if if he's done if he's done nothing else, he's definitely taken the pressure off of his team and put it squarely on himself. I mean, yes, there are, there will be pressure on some of the fringe guys, especially you know the players who uh, who, who who a lot of fans are going to point to Julian Green, Brad Davis. But if things fail, if the team goes three and out, if the team struggles, the team has a bad World Cup. Jurgen Klinsmann is going to face the heat for that. One way, no, no two ways about it. And that was probably. That was going to be the case anyway, mm-hmm. but I think even more now, even more now that he's kind of made some controversial picks, even more now he's put it all on himself. And 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 you know what? That as your coach, you want your coach to do that. You want your coach. It's his team. He makes his picks, and and it's just, you know, I'm not saying the, the picks are right or wrong because I I'm not there. I'm not in training. I don't know how these guys look. I mean, mm-hmm. I can go off of what I've seen from Donovan in MLS play. And he hasn't looked like he hasn't looked his best. I mean, I don't I don't see how anyone anyone who's watched him in MLS can say he's been at his best because he hasn't. He hasn't been close to his best. We've like the Landon Donovan we're seeing right now is not the Landon Donovan of last year. Nope. Or the Landon Donovan from the Gold Cup. So, you know, and 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 does that mean he still didn't deserve a place to, or he still couldn't end up helping the team in Brazil? That's the question mark for me. Because I mean, you know what? Maybe he was not in form. I could see him not being in form. But I, but it's that's really that's really risky to go off of that and ignore his track record, ignore uh, his ability to rise to the occasion in big moments. And when you have a roster that just doesn't have that many guys who have been in those situations, I just don't see how you leave that guy off. But you know what? He's done it, and now he's turning to to, to a lot of younger guys. And that's something another point I want to make. He might deny it. He might he might downplay the the uh, the the how much it played in into his decisions. But when you look at this roster, it's hard not to look at it and say 2018 
was a factor in this in these decisions. Twenty, he he'll say he'll probably say no, but as we all know, Klinsman has uh, had his contract extended. He's he's got a contract all the way into the twenty eighteen World Cup. Now he goes and he he brings in a bunch of young players that could be the nucleus to that for that next team. And and uh, it's hard not to look at this roster and think, you know what, twenty sixteen Olympics, twenty eighteen World Cup. Some of these picks were influenced by that and by looking forward. Well, it, it, look, and you bring up a really valid point. That's why certain countries, we also see certain teams in, sport, in sports, I guess, that, that they're, they're good for a reason. That are able to kind of create that healthy mix of older guys and younger guys and kind of build up the younger guys. So when the older guys leave, the younger guys are ready. And I completely understand that. But the one question, though, is, is let's say the U.S. goes to Brazil and, and gets no points. There's no guarantee that that Jurgen's going to be there four years from now. I mean, what if the U.S. just gets smoked in every single game? I mean, heads will roll. It's not going to be, oh, okay, you know, it's, you know, group of death. No, that's crap. There's no group of death. Every group is difficult in the World Cup. You know, it's it's it's. Well, here's what you know. What here's the thing. We're not going to make this all about Landon Donovan because when it, when it comes down to it, Landon Donovan's not playing center back. Landon Donovan's not playing right back. Landon Donovan's not playing left back. This team and whether or not it succeeds and whether or not it goes beyond the group stage is going to come down to a lot of different factors. Not just Landon Donovan. It's going to come down to the back four coming together. Mm-hmm. Klinsman finding the f- combination that makes that that gives them the best chance. Finding four guys who have the athleticism and who have the organization to deal with these outrageously talented attacks that they're going to face. And, and, and I think people that, that, you know, people need to look at the big, the whole picture, not just, Oh my Lord, Landon Donovan's not going to be there. Like it, it's not 11 Landon Donovan's against Ghana. It's, it's, you know, it's 11 players. So, uh, you know, we've talked about Landon a lot, but you know, look at this team and, and, and I know some people look at it and say, Oh, it's not good enough. Um, yeah. but you know what? I think there's talent there, and I think if uh, and he's Klinsman's clearly gambled on some picks, clearly uh, gone for upside, gone for potential, gone for pieces that could end up fitting in a in a in a successful puzzle. Um, but, but you know, I think people who are just going, already writing it off, already saying it's zero and three, already saying the U.S. has no hope, I think that's a little bit of an I think that's a, an overreaction, and it's understandable for some people. Uh, because for some people, they, they've never known a World Cup with a Landon Donovan, mm-hmm. right? They're, you know, like younger fans. I mean, '98 was the last World Cup without a Landon Donovan. So, I think there's that lack. That's like almost, almost like he's a security blanket, right? And you, Klinsman's yanked the security blanket away, and now fans are like, "Well, who's going to be our hero? Who's going to be our guy?" And there are some players on this roster. Clint Dempsey's there. He's he's not bad. Michael Bradley. I think for me, I think this is Michael Bradley's World Cup. I think Michael Bradley can step up and should step up. I mean, I thought he, well, he had a great World Cup in 2010. Yep. But I think he could be even better in this World Cup. So let's, let's, let's not forget we, that there still are some good players on this team. So I know people are justifiably upset about Donovan, but you know what? It, the, the World Cup hopes do not begin and end with Landon Donovan. Okay. And you still have Tim Howard in goal, and Tim enjoyed one of his best seasons in the English Premier League. Aaron Johansson. Josie Alts is all right. You're right. The, the list continues. But w- w- when you look at the whole roster, Ivis, we already know who the goalkeepers were going to be. Tim Howard, Brad Guzan, and Nick Armando. But when you get to the back line, you know, there, there were some questions that, that will be raised with this. I mean, Brad Evans, I think we all knew that was going to be a long shot. You've been saying it for the last couple of weeks. Timmy Chandler, I mean, you pretty much were like, look, he's, he's, I want to be surprised if he's going to make it to Brazil. John Brooks, that was a guy that we weren't sure about. You know, Clarence Goodson, he doesn't make it. You know, when, when you look at the back line, kind of what, what stood out to you uh, with, with the names that you're going to include to go to Brazil? Well, I have to honestly say I, I don't think any of the 
picks along the back line uh, surprised me other than Yedlin. I think Yedlin, uh, I, I didn't, I really didn't see that one uh, coming just based on his form uh, in, in recent weeks with, with, uh, with the Seattle Sounders and, and obviously his, he's still, he's still raw in the position. So I think from that, from, from that standpoint, uh, that was a little surprising, but having said that, if, if you look at, at, at the high, at the, top end of the of the defensive depth chart uh jeff cameron by all accounts looks like he's going to play center back Mm -hmm. Uh, it looks like klinsman is going to make him a center back and that definitely uh has a ripple effect because once you move him to center back your three your top three center backs become matt beasler omar gonzalez jeff cameron in whatever order you want to put that in beasler is probably number one but those are going to be your top three right so if usually you're going to only need three center backs you can uh who's your fourth then it, it comes down to clarence goodson and and John Brooks are your two battling out for one spot. And you know what, Clarence Goodson, yeah, he he has looked, he has shown well for the national team, no question about it. But John Brooks is he played his first season in the Bundesliga. Obviously, he had his ups and downs, but he finished strong. He he you know he got over being in the doghouse, regained his starting job, finished out the year very well. And you know what, he is a twenty-year-old center back who just played a full season in the Bundesliga. Uh, that you can't just you know, ignore that, right? I mean, he has quality. Now, I know some people will say, well, yeah, well, he didn't look like he had quality against the Ukraine. No, I, I get that, no doubt about it. But at that time, he wasn't actually playing for his club side. At that, that was when he was still in the midst of the whole being benched and, and, and being kind of in the doghouse. But he overcame that and, uh, you know, obviously finished out the year very well. And, and you know, the Ukraine game wasn't exactly a fair uh a game to measure him on because you had him and Onyewu partnered together, and I thought that 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 was kind of a recipe for disaster to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the more the, the more realistic uh, kind of scenario you want to have for him is have him next to somebody uh, like a like if you play him with a Matt Beasler, uh, they complement each other. I think pretty well. If you if you partner him with a with a Jeff Cameron, I think he can partner. Uh, mm-hmm. He can compl- They can complement each other well. So from that standpoint, I think he's a better fit. So I have no problem with him. Tim Chandler, I know some people are, are actually shocked about the Tim Chandler break. I've been saying it for how long now uh, on I'd this say, show? I'd, I'd say three weeks now at least. I've been saying it since he came back from his to, to, from his surgery. When he when he, when he came back and he actually got back early enough to actually play a few games, um, I, you you could see it because again, and, and that's the thing. I, I think people they they get caught up with what's in their memory, and you can't blame people for that. But you know, if they watched. You know, like same with John Brooks. You remember the Ukraine game, so you don't really look at the other factors like club club play. Timmy Chandler, same boat. You remember the Honduras game and how atrocious he played in that game. He wasn't the only one, mind you. A lot of American players looked really bad that day. But you have him looking terrible the last time they saw him, and then him not being around for a year. So the impression of Chandler is, oh, you know, uh, he's what's what's the big deal? He's not that good. But again, before that Honduras game and the games he played, he looked really good. I mean, people. Just it's like that's erased from the memory banks, and the fact is he had a solid year in the Bundesliga, and if not for the meniscus injury, um, it would have been a no-brainer to bring him in because he had he had been a regular starter, and was actually before the injury he was actually doing really well. He was uh, as bad. Nuremberg had a, had a rough year; they got relegated, but he was kind of one of the bright spots on that team. So he's a good player. He can play right back and left back. He's young. He's fast and athletic. Um, and, and so that for that reason, I see him, I see it being a very good pick. I will point out, I know some people will say, well, he struggled in the heat in Honduras. What makes you think he's going to not struggle in Brazil? Here's the difference. When he went to Honduras, 
he he and the other German players, German bass players, German bass players went from playing in Germany in the winter on the weekend, traveling to Miami, getting one day of training, going down to Honduras, and having to deal with that oppressive heat and humidity. They had one day. That's not enough time to acclimate. Nope. What? And now when you look at what they've done, they, they now they've been in a training camp. They're here in Palo Alto. I can tell you it's nice and hot every day, hot and sunny every day. Um, he's going to be acclimated to that. He's going to be prepared for that, as are all the players. Because you could argue, by that logic, you could say, well, Jermaine Jones is going to struggle in the heat too, because he struggled in Honduras. Fabian Johnson struggled in the heat in Honduras as well. That's you can't you can't just look at that one game and and and, and make that that just kind of sweeping generalization. They've all been in this training camp. They'll all be ready, acclimated to the heat. If they lose, it's not going to be because they can't handle heat. It's because they're just not good enough, or the opponent is a better opponent. I completely agree. I just, I wouldn't be surprised if we see we could talk about starting elevens, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see Timmy Chandler, Jeff Cameron, Matt Beasley, and Demarcus Beasley in that first game. We could talk more about that going forward. Looking at the midfield, no surprises there. Uh, Marisa Du Ivis would have been nice to see him there, but you know when you look at the other guys that were there, the kind of that fill his position: Michael Bradley, Jermaine Jones, Kyle Beckerman. It kind of always seemed like Marisa Du was kind of the odd man looking out, and Joe Corona. You know, you said that, you know, it was a little bit of a pleasant surprise to see him in there, but that's another guy that was a really, really long shot to make this team. So the midfield, I, I would say no surprises for the most part. Yeah, I, th- I think when you look at the midfield, no real surprises. I know some people are or were surprised by the Julian Green uh, inclusion, but I don't know why anyone, honestly, I don't know why anyone uh, just didn't see this coming. I mean, we've been saying it for how long now that once – uh, once he was uh, in the 30, he was going to be in the 23 uh, unless he completely crapped the bed in the camp. And, and you know, he's got talent, folks. And that's what, uh, it, you know, I've had some people. He, I feel like he's getting the, he's getting the, the biggest brunt of the, of the why isn't landing on this team backlash because people look at, at, at you know, his, his lack of playing time as a pro, the fact that he's so young, and why is he on this team. I think, you know what, I think he has talent. And, uh, based as as Taylor as Taylor's telling has, has Taylor Twelman has told us you know he he has quality so we'll see we'll see if he actually gets a chance to to show what he can do and moving up to the forward position yes we know Landon Donovan we've talked enough about that but but one guy Ivis Terrence Boyd he's having a very good season in Europe right now and he's a guy that really could have benefited from going to Brazil and, and possibly having a really nice. A uh, couple games in Brazil could have moved up to a bigger league. I mean, were you kind of surprised by Terrence Boyd or? Is his problem is he he's too much like Josie Altador? Uh, I gotta say I don't I don't think it's so much a, a question of of uh, you know Boyd being too much like Altador. I think it's a it, what it comes down to is uh, if if Clint, if we're not going to see much of a four four two at least not as a starting lineup. If we're more than likely going to see a four two three one, um, yeah, I think it's just, you have Altador, you have Johansson, and you have and Wondolowski, and you have your two young. Altidore is young. Before, I think people tend to forget because he's been around for so long on the national team. He's only 24 years old, right? So he's still young. Johansson's 23. And do you bring three young forwards, or do you bring two young forwards and a veteran who's on good form? So that I think that's where Boyd lost out. It wasn't so much a him and and, and Altidore being similar. It's a you know do you bring do you bring all three forwards who are around that age group or do you bring someone like Wondolowski who's older who's in form and who's also a good locker room guy not to say that Boyd isn't a good locker room guy but uh, i think there's so many dynamics at play there um that i think Wondolowski's someone who 
who can maybe fit in different systems as well because it, it, it's easy to forget it's San Jose he plays everywhere he plays as a as a you know whether he's I've seen him play with the national team or San Jose as a lone forward as a second forward as a four three three forward as a as a midfield as a wide midfielder as a, he's played everywhere he can play everywhere so he's a more versatile option than Boyd so I think from that standpoint <clears throat> if Klinsman's thinking about all the different systems he can play. He looks at Boyd, and Boyd is just a little more limited. So, you, so I think if you look at the group of forwards, I can understand why you picked this particular group of forwards. Well, let's continue to talk the U.S. men's national team roster with ESPN's Taylor Tolman, who joins us right now on the show. Taylor, how are you doing today? Good. What's going on, boys? Nothing much. It definitely seemed like Jurgen caught everyone by surprise when he announced the roster on, uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, I think he caught everyone by surprise. I think all three of us and everyone in the U.S. soccer community, and more importantly, the players. I don't think anyone saw this coming. I think a lot of the players that we've now heard and seen from whether it's Tim Howard, you know, Clint Dempsey, Michael Valley, whoever that is, it, it, we can now see that. I think Jurgen, you know, guys, it, it's real simple. Once he realized Landon Donovan was not going to Brazil, I think he looked at it and said, I need to get this uh, storm out of the way. I need to get the shenanigans out of the way if this team's going to come together. And I, I actually have absolutely no problem with the timing of the of the roster at all. If you're going to make a decision like this, better to get it out of the way and not your second when you're still in Brazil, going to Brazil, and you're actually still having to answer questions about the roster, get it over with now. Right. Now, now he obviously, uh, Landon, the Landon-Jurgen dynamic has been going on for a while now, and there's been all this talk about there being a rift between the two, and, and we all know about Landon's sabbatical last year. Um, w- would you would you say you were surprised, or, or did you – Or because I'll tell you, I, I for a while now I thought it's possible, but I didn't think – it was like I didn't think he would do it. I didn't think he'd pull the trigger and actually leave him out. Did, did you see it coming? Did you? I did not see it coming until Martin Vasquez was fired and let go or move. And then all of a sudden, I remember telling Bob Lee and Ian Dark uh, in Arizona, something's up, something's going on. Um, I don't know if we'll find out before the World Cup. And then we had our meeting with Jurgen Klinsmann. And and then you guys all saw after the game his comments about Landon Donovan. I'm not gonna lie to you, that is when I started getting the brain. The brain was moving, everything was going, saying, "Wait a minute, this is a possibility." In saying all of that, I just didn't think he would be one of the 23 because it, it's hard for me to convince myself. And listen, I, I I'm on the record. I don't think Landon's form's great right now. But the guy's got five World Cups. We've never had a player. He's ever to have that resume. You tell me in the 80th minute, didn't be a biological off bench? I don't know. Well, Taylor, explain to me what would be then the reasoning then for you're going to name this 30 man roster if he wasn't going to include Landon Donovan in the first place? I mean, it wouldn't wouldn't it seem beneficial to have Landon maybe playing a game and maybe some of these other guys playing a game just to see what they can bring to the table? Yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways to look at it. I, I, for one, after two and a half, three years, I'm not sure Jurgen needed an extra five days to see if Landon Donovan is enough for the national team going to the World Cup. That's hard for me to believe. Uh, I think Jurgen just was thinking of fun, and it's been on his mind. It's been weighing on him. Because when you saw the, 
the video from the sucker afterwards, guys, it looks like Jurgen felt relieved that he got this difficult decision off of his chest. And I think it was a difficult one for him. Make no mistake about it. Um, I don't know. I honestly, I don't know what's behind it. I think Jurgen's going to eventually tell us, but you're opening the can of worms. I'm telling you, when 23 guys go to the World Cup, three of those, three are goalkeepers. Now you have 20 field players. And one of those 20 are John Burks, DeAndre Yetland, and Julie Green. With no Landon Donovan there, boys, that means one of those three is going to have to play a factor because we all know yellow card injuries play a factor in the World Cup. There's strong potential one of those three is going to have an impact. Uh, it's funny uh, you, when you talk about the, why, why did he bring him into the 30s. So, so my just thinking about it, you know, you could almost argue that while maybe Jurgen didn't have to see him up close, maybe he brought him in to let the team see how Landon stacked up with everyone, you know, because it's probably it, it'd probably be easier to justify leaving him out if everyone has been in camp and seen the talent level and seen that, you know what, maybe maybe there isn't that drop off. So, I, I mean, that, that's just kind of a little dime store conspiracy theory. But of the guys who who, who were surprises, who, who, who were you who were you kind of happy to see on Taylor? Who, who, who did who, who was the surprise pick that you were like, yeah, that's a good one? Well, I will say this. It's a good question. It's interesting to me. Whenever, as an ex-player, it's funny because when you see a guy like Brad Davis and Chris Wondolowski get 100% out of everything they got and everything they've put in, they've got, they've got the most they're ever going to get out of that, of their ability and their career. To get rewarded, it you feel good about playing. So, for those two, I'm extremely happy for. Um, I was shocked DeAndre Yedlin and John Brooks. I'm not surprised Julian Green, as we all know, why I would make the switch if he wasn't going to the World Cup. John Brooks, to me, is naive, young center back that for the future. Um, shocked that he was on the list. And DeAndre Yedlin, a young fullback for the future that's got an extremely bright future, but right now, Right now, is he really better than his teammate in Seattle, Brad Evans, or Michael Parker for a difficult group? Uh, I'm not sold on it. And then, all of that said, the wrinkle was thrown when Timothy Chandler was put back into the uh, fray. When Timothy Chandler was back in the 30-man roster, you just had the gut feeling that he was going to go. And you just had a feeling that, why would you to bring him back after 15 months um, after everything that happened down in Honduras in the first World, Road World Cup qualifier, you just had a feeling that, you know what, Timothy Chandler may be going to Brazil. Well, I, I, I got to tell you, well, as far as Chandler goes, I, as soon as he came back from the uh, meniscus surgery, I, I had a feeling he could definitely make this team because – uh, as much as everyone remembers the Honduras game and how bad he was in that game, I mean, he wasn't the only one who was bad that game. All the Ger- actually, all the G- German Americans struggled in that game, and part of that was probably because they came from the winter in Germany, and then they came to Honduras. And you remember, it was un- I mean, it it was awful, unbelievably hot there. No, uh, but you know, that's a great point. But let me ask you this: Why would they call him for the next fifteen months? The other well, ones were. Right. Well, that's the that's the question. Now, it seems like, you know, talking to him today, you know, he, he made it sound as though it was just a case of injuries and, and bad timing. And it wasn't that he didn't want to be called in. And at a certain point, Klinsman wasn't calling him in. Um, but as far as Brooks goes, I, I got to say he hasn't looked good. He didn't. He looked awful against Ukraine. No, no doubt about it. But 
uh, I did think he showed quite a bit uh, in at Hertha Berlin, where he, you know, he was in the doghouse. Coach, you know, yanked him from in the first half of a couple of different games, and he he, he recovered from that, got the starting job back. So I think that probably brought him back into the mix and helped him find his form late in the year. Um, who? Uh, it would Jeff Cameron I have to ask you now? Jeff Cameron it looks like he's probably going to play center back. Do you think? How do you see that defense kind of shaping up now? Now that now that we know who the guys are that are going. Yeah, I, no doubt in my mind that Jeff Cameron will be the starting center back again. No doubt. And so now when you look at Bobby and Johnson listed as a defender on the 30-man roster, it was a huge sign to me that he's being brought in for defensive purposes. Uh, and I look at it with Timothy Chandler there, Matt Beasler. I wouldn't be shocked if that's your back before. Now, Demarcus Beasley will have something to say for sure. And now with Chandler in the mix, maybe – Jurgen says, well, I'm okay with Beasley there. Maybe I'll play from Johnson and right back. Maybe Chandler plays wide right. I don't know. There's a lot of things you could pull off here with a lot of those guys. But I, I really see Jeff Cameron, let's say, in the three friendlies leading up to the World Cup, it's his position to lose the center back next to Matt Beasley. Well, the one thing with, with leaving Landon, Landon Donovan out, and you're going to see this especially with the, with the back line for the U.S. men's national team. I mean, only five guys on this roster have played in a World Cup before. I mean, Taylor, how, how is that going to hurt or benefit the U.S. men's national team in the World Cup? Well, we knew this was going to be a transition World Cup to a certain extent. My biggest concern going into this World Cup is there's no World Cup experience center back. The first time since 1990, and I said that on the U.S. Mexico game, because it finally, you know, you have to say it a couple of times. It's odd. You know, over the last couple of World Cup, we've always had that, an experienced center back leading the new charge. This one's got to be brand new. Now, in fairness, you're only going to find out one way, and that's by putting the players on the field. So we will find out. Maybe Jurgen's looking at this. Keep in mind, he's got a four-year extension. He can also have the luxury and the path to look to Russia in 2018. Maybe he's looking at it saying, maybe I take the lumps now with a difficult group and I gain some valuable experience, and then we look down the road. But he's saying that. There are no guarantees what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone four years down the road. So that's a tough one for me to wrap my head around. Uh, Getting back to Landon a little bit, um, obviously everyone's going to point to every single guy on this roster now. And the ones that are kind of question marks, every one of them, you want to stack them up against against Landon Donovan. But uh, one question I have is, if if Klinsman decided he didn't see Landon as, Landon as a starter, and he saw and he and it, on this team he would most likely be a guy off the bench, be one of the guys later on the bench. Do you think there's something to be said for possibly you know wondering if that's a role he'd even accept or or or, or be able to handle? Oh yeah, I. I... No doubt you have to ask that question because it's landed down a bit. Maybe they've had conversations that they're choosing, both of them are choosing to keep it behind closed doors. Uh, but maybe that conversation was that. That's 100% a valuable question. You have to ask that question because who knows? Maybe Landon, you know, and you're going to have words. Do I think they did? Like, you're in Vegas right now, brother, and, and we've got to ask that question and camp on it. I don't think that's the reason. But it's a great question, and it has to be asked because only Jurgen and Landon know if they've really had a conversation about, guess what, your role actually is going to be off the bench. You may not play. Maybe Landon was like, man, 
without having Landon, Landon Donovan in there, you know, you kind of wonder what 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 Jurgen Klinsmann is going to put out there. I mean, do, do we possibly see like a Josie Outdoor, Aaron Johansson up top? I mean, it would have seemed beneficial to have Landon come in in the last twenty minutes when he needed a goal at the end of the game. I and mean, what, what do you see going forward with with Jurgen being able to deploy the, the guys that he has going to Brazil? Well, I mean, Landon doesn't have, or he hasn't shown over the last four or five months the acceleration that has separated him amongst anyone. So if you're thinking of Landon Donovan coming off the bench, that's a concern for Jurgen Klinsmann. Um, but to answer your question, of course there's an opportunity of playing two forwards. If you play two forwards, I'll say that. And and I'm not talking about Klinsmann under these. I'm talking about U.S.-Mexico, diamond in the midfield. You can play Diamond and Michael Bradley looks great, Kyle Parker looks great, all that. That's fine, whatever. What it does is when you play Diamond in the midfield, it puts the onus on your wide fullbacks, your wide defending area. That's the biggest concern for the United States. So now I'm asking the question, if that's really what you want to do, well, you don't even know what your back four is. So I'd be shocked if they come out and play a 4-4-2 in Ghana. I'd be shocked if it's not a 4 2 3 one Dempsey underneath Altidore, Bradley and Jones in the midfield, and then the three front runners with Josie High, left is up in the air. So I think, um, but that, that I'd be shocked if that's not your formation. Right, I, no, I definitely agree with you there because I mean, not not only uh, I know a lot of people look at that Mexico game and think, wow, the team looks so good and created chances, but Mexico is Mexico and Ghana is Ghana, and when you want to talk about Ghana's midfield, you're not going to get away with that diamond against the central midfielders that they have. So, I definitely ag- agree with you there. Um, as far as the young guys go, uh, well, Julian Green, he he's kind of that polarizing figure, right? I mean, you have you have the, the one camp that thinks. Fourth division German player. He hasn't played. He has one pro appearance in his career. And then you have the other side that says, you know, here's a kid, here's a Bayern Munich prospect who Pep Guardiola really likes. And I Pep, Pep Guardiola knows a little bit about the game. What do you see? What have you seen from him? And what, what are your just kind of general impressions of what he's, what you think he might be able to bring? I've seen him in about 10 to 11 training. Uh, very impressive, very instinctual, so he doesn't think about it. He lets his instincts take over, which I think in final moments and big moments, that's a great attribute to have. Uh, I, and I remind people, there used to be a fourth division player in Germany that somehow made his way in the 2002 World Cup team. Now it's in circumstances. Landon Donovan was on a fourth division team for Bayer Leverkusen and had to go back to San Jose, and I get all that, different things. Landon at least played, but you got to take a chance, and Bruce Arena took a chance on Landon Donovan coming out of the fourth division. So I'm in between camps. I'm not going to judge Julian Green right now. The kid is freaking 18, 19 years old. I'm not going to judge him now, but unfortunately for him, he will be judged. Landon Donovan's at home. He's going. He didn't have a great first half, and he's got some real, real big shoes to fill. And uh, listen, as O.C. Lawless says, life isn't fair sometimes. It's unfair, but he's going to be judged fairly quickly here. Well, out of all the young guys, uh, Taylor, that have been called in, I mean, between Julian, DeAndre Edlin, and John Brooks, I mean, which one do you think is going to get the most playing time in Brazil? I think it's going to be Julian Green off the bench. Uh, I, uh, who knows? The way this is going... Martin Vasquez, Landon Donovan, 
you're going to announce it early, he may start Julian Green and give him number 10. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, but the reality is of those three, I think Julian Green's going to play it back. Taylor, when you look at this roster, you know, one guy that people haven't talked about that much is Brad Davis, and he's been in great form so far for Houston Dynamo this, this you know, in, in the Major League Soccer season, but Brad Davis really hasn't shown that well uh, for the U.S. men's national team as of late. I mean, what, what did you think about his inclusion into the roster? I don't, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily 100% agree that he hasn't shown well. I think he's shown different attributes that he doesn't show for Houston, you know, at Mexico World Cup qualifier and I think he comes off the bench for defensive purposes. Whatever thought we would say that about Brad Davis. Yes, he had a bad foul in that game that could have cost the United States. South Korea was a so-so game, but then Panama on the road, he came off the bench to he's deadly with his left foot. And I and when you look at set pieces now, especially when Landon Donovan gone, I don't know. I mean, he's a guy you can bring off the bench and really be a factor. Uh, I I don't. I've always said it, and it's funny. I, I take criticism a lot. I know you, you two find that surprising. But it, when I said that Brad Davis, I felt, you know, in the South Korea game, and I said it last year that I felt like he was going to play a part of World Cup qualifying. People questioned it. He's really the only set-piece dead ball specialist they have. And that left foot deadly. In the heat, last 20 minutes, you bring a guy off the bench for that? Not a bad show. No, definitely. He's definitely a specialist player. I just feel like the the, the last two games he appeared for the U.S. He, he had a lot of uncharacteristic turnovers when he plays in MLS. Oh, that's one hundred percent. That's one hundred percent true. Yeah, it, it's almost unlike him because when he's in MLS, he's so clean with the ball. But it just seemed like in the games this year, that's been an issue for him. Now, one thing I definitely have to ask you, getting back to the Landon topic, there's already been this this thought among some people that, all right, what if there's an injury? Um. Uh, what if you know Julian Green or what any of these attacking players gets hurt? Will Jurgen call Landon in as an alternate? Now, my, in my opinion, I think all six. I, I think there could be like six injuries, and he might not call Landon Donovan in. But what would you put the odds uh, of him getting a call as an alternate? I would be shocked. I would be absolutely. I'd be more stunned on that decision than this one. I, I would be shocked because you can't tell me he's player twenty. <laughs> and he needed an injury to one of the young guys to bring in. I just, I, I don't see it happening. But then again, I didn't see Martin Vasquez being fired three months before the World Cup after everything they went through. So it wouldn't surprise me, but I, I would be, oh my goodness, I would be shocked. Now, now were you, in, in 06, were you an alternate? Were you, you officially an alternate? or? I was such an alternate. That and I tweeted this picture <laughs> about five six days ago. I was such an alternate that everyone at U.S. Soccer thought no, one hundred percent that I was going. They made a jersey of every number of me. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have a jersey with the World Cup patch on it for numbers 11, 13, 16, 20, 15, and one other number. No joke. <laughs> I have all jerseys. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I think, or, or maybe Bruce will just pick it up and try to make it feel better. Well, so so I got to ask, I mean, obviously, you know, everyone wants to play in a World Cup, so you, you probably go under any circumstances, but is it, like, how does a player handle that kind of, like, situation? I mean, is it, like, if you happen to get the call, I mean, I know you didn't get the call, but, I mean, that, that's that got to be a, a, a tough situation if it were to happen. Yes, 
Uh, on the other hand, crazy things happen. You know, you, I had my chance with Fernando Colvillo because Mamadou Diallo and Alex Benadio Chacon were injured midweek, and we had the U.S. Open Cup game, and I played against Charles the Batter in Florida Bowl. So my point is, it's actually a great question. The point is, though, that's how a lot of this happens. I mean, do we know who Tom Brady is if Drew Bledsoe doesn't get hurt? I don't know. So, well, one one part of you as a player, you're ticked off, you're, you're not happy with it. That may be your story. You may be the alternate that writes the ship. So you go no matter how you can go, and you don't really think about it. But it is a it, it is an interesting dilemma because there will always part of you that says, uh, well, I really wasn't originally picked. But then when you show up and score two goals, who cares? Right, right. And one last one for me. I'm sure you know, I'm sure you've been on Twitter. U.S. fans are freaking out right now. U.S. a lot. There are a lot of U.S. national team fans going crazy. Think the the World Cup's finished. It's going to be 0-3. What would you say to kind of ease those fears? And and do you have, I mean, do you think this team, now that we know the 23, do you think this team can get out of the group? Uh, I I have, I'm skeptical. There's no denying it. Um, Am I to the point of jumping off the bridge or going to play an oncoming traffic like fans are on Twitter? No. Uh, but, because, listen, what if Landon Donovan without Landon Donovan? This is a difficult group. And I don't care who you are. And Landon Donovan's not in the best form of his career. So, just because Landon's not doesn't mean it's changed. What this though is exactly what I've warned people and, and Alexi has as well. is simply can now give people a reason. Just take them. Take them as your 23rd player. If they get three points against Ghana, to answer your question after me rambling on, I know you guys are surprised. They get three points against Ghana, they got a shot. But Ghana's thinking the exact same thing. And everyone has just overlooked Ghana to me. Nine Champions League players. It's not as easy as people think. It's not three points against Ghana and see what we get against Mexico, Germany. Ghana's looking at the United States the same way the United States is looking at Ghana. And I think for an opening game of a group stage, we may get the best team of the World Cup. Well, Taylor, man, thank you so much for jumping on the show with us tonight. Drive safe and uh, have a safe flight to Brazil. You two, uh, you two do great, great stuff. Keep it going. And um, I love the work. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks, Taylor. And I was good stuff with uh, with Taylor Twoman. I know you'll be kicking it with him down in Brazil, working on your tan, both of your tans, down by the beach. Down by the beach? Well, <laughs> no. Uh, you know, I find the most interesting part about having Taylor on, and yes, this is the first time we've had him on the show, is uh, is the fact that he is cheating on the Big Head Redhead podcast by appearing on our show and... I'm sure most. I'm sure a lot of our listeners probably listen to that. But that, that's that's the Taylor slash Alexi slash Mark Connolly podcast. So you guys want, and if you don't listen to it, you should. You should, mm-hmm. you know. Of course, you listen to our show first, and then you listen to their. You show. know, I always call into that show, and, and they won't let me on. And I'm always like, you know, Alexi's my dad, but for some reason, they just they won't let me on that show. <laughs> Stop it! I'm trying to get him to pay years of uh, child support that he's avoiding for my family. So. You know he listens to this show. I know he does. So, now he's not. He's not going to listen to it anymore. <laughs> you keep you keep harassing him about. No, the worst. The worst part is is I sometimes I, I know you and I joke that we don't edit this show, 
Uh, no, but you know we edit it now. But there's, but I eventually do want to do a show one time where we don't edit at all because I, Ivis, I, I we bring Taylor Taylor on and Ivis goes, hey Taylor, you know Garrett? And Taylor goes, Garrett. And Ivis goes, you know the kid that we always see is Alexi's kid. And Taylor goes, oh yeah, yeah I know that guy. We're so, just gonna have to have Alexi on. Thank, thank oh. you, Ivis. I appreciate that. We're gonna have Alexi on. That's what we're gonna do. He's gonna be our next guest if we can get him. I don't know if we can get him. <sighs> uh, he, he, I'm sure he's coming to San Francisco for the for the yeah. Azerbaijan game. So. We'll, we'll work it out. Oh, sounds good. All right, Ivis. Well, enough U.S. men's national team talk. We have the next few weeks to talk about the roster, speculate who's going to be in the starting 11, break down the games. Time to move on to MLS Week 12. We can call this the MLS Snub Edition because the first couple games we're going to look at are going to feature some guys who did not get called up. One of the bigger games this weekend, L.A. hosting the Philadelphia Union, Landon Donovan versus Marisa Du. All jokes aside, though, Philadelphia, Ivis, going on the road, playing L.A. I mean, both of these teams, Ivis, really struggling right now. What do you think is going to be the outcome in this one? <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's like a soap opera when you think about it, right? You got Philly, uh, you know, they're on their last legs. Marisa Du didn't make the cut. He's going to be there. And then L.A. with Landon Donovan at home. One goal from the career record. Now, here's the thing, right? I I, I think Landon Donovan is going to score a hat trick just because it has to happen, right? He's going to score a hat trick, uh, and it's just going to be the most awkward like award presentation. I mean, if they do a whole ceremony for him breaking the career record, it's just going to be kind of awkward because he didn't make the you know he didn't make the World Cup team, and I don't know. It, it's it, you know it is what it is. But uh, he, I, I tell you what, I, I feel like he and it do. Uh, you know, you know they're fit. You know they they've just come from the the camp. They're uh, the the high intensity training at the camp. They're gonna come in flying. I think they're both gonna have games. They're go. They're both gonna come in there with that kind of anger of not making the World Cup team. And I think they're both gonna play outstandingly. But I think LA is gonna get the job done. I think Keenan Donovan. They're gonna click, and Philly's defense just is not gonna be able to deal with them. Uh, Eddie Johnson and. D.C. United will be going on the road, taking on the New England Revolution. Ivy score red hot right now. The past two games, five goals. We've talked about it. Only the third uh, MLS team in the history to score back-to-back games with five goals. I-, I don't think we'll see New England once again put up a five spot. But but the one thing we did talk about this, though, New England has really benefited from teams that have had midweek games over these these last two games. D.C. coming off a midweek game. I guess, what are the p- chances that New England puts another five spot on a team this weekend? Uh, I'll tell you what, I don't think it's going to be five, but I think they're going to they're going to win handily. I think nothing against DC. I know I know the DC fans think I hate DC. They've been outstanding lately, but it is a tough ask for them to go, uh, you know, in after a midweek game to face a red hot New England team. Uh, New England at home is even tougher. I, I think the Revs are going to roll. Uh, I think you know what DC's defense isn't going to just they're not going to get rolled, but it's just so tough to deal with all of the just the moving parts in that New England attack and Lee Wynn, the way he's playing. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go New England. I think it's like I'm going to say 3-1 New England. I think Rolf scores again, but it won't be enough. I think the Revs get it done. Think, think about this. D.C. did win their midweek game. I was 2-0, but D.C.'s on a roll right now. In their last nine games, because they opened up the season with back-to-back losses, but in their last nine games, Ivis, they've only lost one time. D.C., man, things are things are starting to look on the up and up for them. No, they've been pretty steady. Uh, the 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 issue for me is as steady as they've been, and they've they they've played they've played ugly and gotten some results. Uh, they've they've played well and gotten some results lately. I mean, I think the, the you know the the win in Philly was a pretty solid performance by them. 
Uh, and then the, obviously the midweek game was a solid performance as well. But I just think the three games in eight days thing is going to catch up to them. Uh, and they haven't played a team with a, an attack like LA, uh, the, uh, an attack like the Revs have. So Lee Wynn is clicking. T- uh, Till Bunbury's playing well. Patrick Mullins is is, is flourishing. Fagundes is 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 heated. He's heated up now. He's he's on a roll as well. It's just I just think it's too many pieces, uh, too many you know, too many moving parts to deal with for DC. And I think I think on tired legs at that, I'm gonna go New England three one. Uh, I think uh, Mullins scores again, uh, and I think Mullins, Lee Wynn, uh, and Andrew Farrell will score his first Ooh. career goal and shave. That god awful beard. I'm just gonna. I'm calling it now. Uh, Vancouver hosts Seattle in a Cascadia Cup showdown. Uh, we all know how Vancouver is, man. On the road, Vancouver is atrocious. At home, Vancouver is lights out. Home hosting the Seattle Sounders. The interesting thing about the Seattle Sounders, Ivis, is when you look at the kind of you know last month of play for the Seattle Sounders, they haven't played the best attacks in the league. You can say, and the only time they played a good attack is when they got worked. By the New England Evolution, yes, they're coming off a midweek match. I can't talk. But Vancouver, high-powered offense at home. I'm calling it right now. Seattle is going to lose this weekend to the Vancouver Whitecaps. Well, I'll tell you what. There's definitely going to be goals in this game. I think there were, you got to figure at least five goals, right, total? Uh, I, I'm with you on Vancouver uh, winning at home. Uh, it's not going to be easy. I think Seattle still has some good – you know, Brad Evans is back. He's part of that – the snubbed lineup that we've got. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what, Vancouver, man. The speed in that attack, I, th- I think they're gonna they're gonna be too much for Seattle, I, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun game. Obafemi Martins is still on the roll as well, so I, I'll go three one Vancouver. I mean three two Vancouver in a in one of the more exciting games of the weekend. Uh, in the final snubbed list, Michael Parkers and the Columbus Crew will be taking on the Chicago Fire at home. The Fire, Ivis, we've talked about this. You know, yes, they are on a two match winning streak, but but I, I don't think it's anything to write home about yet. I, mean, I, I think you can kind of look at those two games and kind of point to some things that have gone in the Chicago Fire's favor. Columbus Crew, you know, is, is they they live and die out of Federico Higuain, and I think getting Michael Parkers back is going to be huge for them. And I think this weekend Columbus is going to put a halt to the Chicago Fire's uh, two match winning streak. That's a tough one to call. I know they get Parker's back. I think that's a help. Uh, they won't have Giancarlo Gonzalez still. Uh, they won't have Waylon Francis. I think those two guys they're gonna miss. Uh, Chicago man, they're they're doing pretty well right now. They they're, they're a handful. So uh, it's a, it's a coin toss. You know what? I'm gonna go with a tie. Uh, I think it's gonna be a, a good attacking affair. I'm gonna go two two. Pretty exciting matchup. I think McGee and Iguain get their goals, uh, and I think Amariqua finds the equalizer in Columbus. New York hosting the Portland Timbers this weekend. Uh, New York, Ivis, and Portland both looking for something. Uh, their defense, both of their defenses, give up a lot of goals. Possibility that we'll see six, seven goals in this match. Uh, I'm kind of disappointed I'll be missing that one. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm obviously out here in Palo Alto for the U.S. camp, so I won't be at Red Bull Arena. But you know, I, this is an interesting matchup when you think about it. Uh, two of the top teams in the league last year, two Coach of the Year finalists last year. And now two teams that, that have underachieved results-wise this year. So uh, having said that, I think it's going to be an exciting game. I think it's going to be a good game. I think Portland's going to, you know, a, 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 as opposed to some – I think the Chicago Fire, if anything, showed that you can go into the Red Bull Arena and go at them. You don't have to sit back and counter. You could actually attack. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to go after them. I think it's going to be a, a pretty wide-open game. Uh, but I tell you what, Red Bull at home, I think Terry Henry usually steps his game up a bit. Um it's hard, man. It's hard to pick the Red Bulls without Tim Cahill, but I think they get it done. I think Portland's defense 
It's going to let them down again. I'll go two on Red Bulls. Uh, and then the uh, I'm sorry, Sporting Kansas City hosts Toronto FC. Sporting Kansas City, we've, we've talked about this. They they looked good last week, and and I think you know we agree that Sporting Kansas City is going to be fine without Matt Beasley and Graham Susie as long as long as Dom Dwyer keeps scoring goals for them and and Ori Rosal keeps doing well and, and the rest of the guys they'll be fine. But the biggest thing for Sporting Kansas City, Ivis, is their lack of central backs right now, which they have none. They have none going into this game against Toronto. Um, I think Sporting Kizzy will still be able to hold down the house, but, I mean, come on. Jermaine Defoe has to be licking his chops at this matchup. I think Neville's going to score at least twice. Uh, I don't know what Colin, Aurelian Collins' status is, but if uh, – uh, I don't know. Are you going to – maybe you could play center back because if they don't have Collins – they don't have Beasley, they don't no, have Collins. I, 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 I can't play center back because I, well, I'm like – Well, we know you can't play, we know you on, can't play fullback uh, according to what I hear about from Divas FC. But. On, on my co-ed game the other day, I decided to try to back heel the ball in the final third. That, that was a horrible decision. Good job, good job by you. It was a really horrible um, scene. Nah, you know what? Toronto FC, Defoe, I think Defoe is, he, he's, again, you know what's funny? We, we were talking about the uh, how these were all, like, we're doing the all snubs. Uh, this is another snub, Jermaine Defoe, snub by England. So I think he's going to get at least one goal. I think it's, I think we're going to, I mean, I feel like we're going to see a lot of goals this week. And maybe I'm just hoping that we're going to see a lot of goals um, just to sit through these games. But I think Jermaine Defoe is going to light it up. And I think Dom Dwyer is going to keep it going. So, I think we're going to see, again, 2-2 in KC, Dom Dwyer, Jermaine Defoe, the English-born strikers have a day. Uh, Colorado is going to be hosting the Montreal Impact this weekend. Colorado Ivis has not looked good over the last three matches. Uh, they're on a two-match uh, win, two-match losing streak, excuse me. They kind of get a gift with the Montreal Impact who have not had a good season. Is this a, I mean, How big of an opportunity is this for Colorado to kind of really get back on track? It's tough to say. I mean, you never know what lineup Pablo Mastrani is going to trot out there, right? I mean, he has so many different options. Uh, so uh, Montreal, though, man, they're such a mess. Uh, I'm going to Colorado. Colorado at home. I think Montreal is kind of that slump buster that Col- that the Rapids need. So I'm going to go Rapids. I think the Rapids uh, wake up and ha- and and put up a two spot two nil two nil Rapids. RSL will be taking on FC Dallas this weekend at home up in Salt Lake. We saw Real Salt Lake last week without Kyle Beckerman, without Nick Armando. RSL has enough depth. FC Dallas, on the other hand, I was dealing with a lot of injuries right now. They don't have the depth. Does RSL continue to keep their uh, their unmat their their unbeaten undefeated streak to start the season, or, or does FC Dallas somehow sneak in a win at Rio Tinto? No, not happening. I can't see it. And I know it's MLS, so it's usually what you think can't happen that does happen. But Dallas is just so hit. They're just so banged up. And RSL is just so deep, even without Beckerman and Ramondo. Jeff Atanella, I mean, hey, he's shown he's he's probably as good as, you know, a lot of stars in MLS with some of his performances mm-hmm. in place of Ramondo. So they're not really missing a beat there. Uh, and then the midfield, obviously, they have a lot of different pieces that they can that can slide in and pick up the slack. I'm going to go RSL pretty handily. I'm going to go 3-1 RSL. And in the uh, final match of the season, which we saved the best for last, San Jose hosting the Houston Dynamo. I'm sure we'll see a thrilling 1-0 victory for either side. Ivis, you're going to be at this match. What do you think is going to happen? Yes, I will be at San Jose Houston. Uh, I, I, what kind of match am I am I hoping for? I just want uh, I just want to see an exciting match. I, I, 
something to keep me awake. No, what, are the, what are the odds um, that you see? An ex- what, are, what are the odds there'll be more than three goals? In it's San game? Jose. There's always a comeback, right? I mean, Buckshaw is like the official comeback capital of America, right? No, but you know what? It, it's interesting. Houston, obviously, they're in a world of hurt. Uh, uh, I know Dom Kinnear was not happy after their loss to D.C., uh, from what I hear from our, our writer out uh, down in uh, D.C., Kinnear was pretty surly after that loss, so I, th- I think he's pretty fed up. Uh, but you know what, San Jose, San Jose, they're they're so they're they're they're, they're a mess. And hey, we have another snub, Clarence Goodson. We should have had we should have had him in in the, in the snub lineup. Oh, that's right, uh, Clarence. Yeah, Clarence Goodson. Uh, he'll be there, but I don't know, man. I don't think their attack. I think their attack will miss Wondolowski. I think Houston. On the road, I'm gonna well, go Houston. Go and, Houston. And, and San Jose is still dealing with a lot of injuries right now too. I mean, the roster they had last week, obviously, we talked about it. The starting eleven had one goal and one assist combined. San Jose is struggling right now. Struggling. Well, is, it, it, is Salinas back from his suspension? Because I think that's big. that's a big, big help for them. Uh, but you know what? I just I'd be happy if there's more than one goal scored because I'm gonna be there and. Uh, you know, get, checking out the scene and 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 uh, funny enough, there, there's only a few places left in the league that I haven't been to yet. As of right now, I haven't been to uh, of the expo- two expansion cities, Montreal and Vancouver. I haven't been to, uh, but of the established, uh, long, long, long-standing teams in the league, San Jose is is the last place that I haven't been to. So uh, you know that I'm looking forward to that and, and seeing that. And I'm looking forward to seeing the stadium. That they're building, um, you know, for those who aren't keeping up on the stadium issues, San Jose Stadium is coming along nicely. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. But I'm gonna I, maybe I shouldn't pick the away team if I'm gonna go to the game. You know what? I'm gonna go Earthquakes. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm gonna go one-one. Will Bruin and uh, JJ Koval one-one. Nice, nice prediction, Ivis. I like that. Yeah, pretty random. <laughs> And one more final thing before we close out the show. The SBI Q&A is back. Ivis and myself to all three Twitter followers that I have. We'll put out a hashtag before we do the show. It's hashtag AskTheSBIShow. You can send us a question at any time. It could be Tuesday at midnight, Thursday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, whenever you want. Send us a question. Hashtag AskTheSBIShow. Ivis, first question comes from Tyler ECU. Hey, Ivis, is this the most unproven U.S. roster we have seen in the post-94 World Cup years? I think that's a pretty uh, obvious answer. Yes, it's the most unproven. Uh, f- uh, five players who've played in the World Cup, um, and of those five who have played in the World Cup, um, when you think about considerable experience, I think Dempsey and Beasley, uh, you know, they're the ones who have actually played in more than one. Um, so that from that standpoint, that's not a lot of experience. So I, I think that that could come back to haunt the team, but I think it's also an opportunity for some of these young guys to step up. And I think that's what's get, getting lost a bit in today in the whole uh, Donovan hysteria is the fact that this is an opportunity for several players, several young players, to step up and kind of make make their legend, make a name for themselves. And, it, I mean, it's easy to forget. Landon Donovan, in 2002, a lot, not a lot was expected of him mm-hmm. in 2002, going into that World Cup. And he took, he grabbed it by the neck and took full advantage and, and came out of that World Cup a star. So now it's someone else's turn, whether it's Julian Green, whether it's Aaron Johansson, whether it's Josie Altador, who, you know, maybe he, he uh, you know, erases all the, all the bad taste of the Sunderland year. 
has himself a tournament. I mean, it's some it's so it's time for someone else to step up. Time for someone from this twenty four and under group to emerge and, and and you know be be the next guy. You know, and and I think Klinsman is called in a group of guys that there is talent there. There is there is there is some potential there. So we'll see. And until someone does step up, though, I think people are going to be freaking out about about Donovan's absence. Biggest problem with that question, though, is Tyler. What's up with your avatar, dude? Come on, fix that. Yeah, seriously. I mean, you know, it's one thing to wear, you know, tank tops to uh, to our <laughs> party, but you got to get an avatar, man. Come on, you're growing up. You're growing up now. I, Tyler, I, I think he's like 16 years old or something like that. He's no, not that old. He's, he's 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 an he's an adult. I think, even though I, think he, he, I think he was saying he got in with a fake ID. I'm pretty sure he said that. That was that was your girlfriend, actually. <laughs> Stupid. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, next question. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> next question comes from Jim. When if we crash out of Brazil, will Klinsman get axed? You know, that's an interesting question because they just signed him to a new contract, and you know the U.S. Soccer's already paid off Bob Bradley's contract uh, after firing him. Uh, and are they going to do it again? I don't know. I don't. I, I mean, it, you, I'll put it to like this: they could lose all three, but it's. I think it, it, it would depend how they lose all three. If the U.S. gets blown out in three straight games, Klinsman's going to get fired. I, I, I find it really hard, even with the contract. I think I find. I think it would be really hard, uh, really hard to, to to justify keeping them on if you get blown out in three games. Now, if you lose three games, close games, or you have like a tie and two losses and. You you know you compete you, you you're in the games, you play well, then you can kind of argue that they're you know he, he's trying to build something mm-hmm. you know some younger guys emerge, if they, there have to be there has to be some evidence that 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 there's some sort of progress beyond the results if you're not going to get the results so I think it comes down to that if they if they lose all three matches and they're in every game and they get and it, and, and they play well and they score goals then then I could see Klinsman getting by with in zero and three but. If it's four nil, four nil, four five nil, he. I'm sorry, like I, I, I don't care what the severance check is. I don't care what the, what the payout will be on his the remainder of his contract. U.S. Soccer, ha- I mean, they cannot. I don't think they could justify keeping him if they get blown out three games. Next question comes from Frank. I'm worried about the depth on the wings. Bodoya and Zuzi start, but backups Green Davis, Ivis take Frank off the ledge here. Uh, you know, as far as pure, pure wingers, how many are there? You almost said that like in Jurgen's accent, right there. Pure, pure, yeah, pure, pure, pure wingers. <laughs> um, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. So you have Bedoya, you have Zuzi, you have uh, you also have Fabian Johnson. Don't forget, Fabian Johnson mm-hmm. has played on the wing and looked pretty good. I know there's the whole well, he's listed on the roster as a defender. They're li- where they're listed doesn't mean anything. You could they can play him wherever. They could play him. They could list him as a goalkeeper and play him in forward. Doesn't matter. John, Fabian Johnson has played on the wing before. Tim Chandler has played on the wing on the club level before. Uh, Demarcus Beasley was a winger at one point, and and I think all, all those guys bring some some interesting qualities. Uh, so, you know, from that standpoint, I think there is, and then obviously not to forget Brad Davis, not that, not that I see Davis as a starter, but you know, if you're talking about bringing off the bench, uh, having someone, uh, who you can bring off the bench and provide some service to get a goal back when you're down, I think uh, Davis can do that. But, uh, I think there's some options there. You don't have your too easy to plug in wingers on either side, but I think for me in this tournament, uh, where defending as a team is going to be very important. I think having guys like Zuzi 
guys like Bedoya, guys like a, a guy like Fabian Johnson. All three of those guys can give you something going forward, but they can they're also they can also give you an honest effort as a two way player. So I think from that standpoint, when you think about the overall team defending aspect of things, that that's kind of the consolation prize for not having, uh, you know, traditional beautiful speedy winger that's just marauding down the flanks. We don't have they, right now. U.S. doesn't have that, but they have some useful pieces who could help the overall team. Next question comes from Garrett Amini. Which two players do you think will not see any minutes in the World Cup? Uh, I'm going to go Yedlin and Brooks. I think uh, uh, you know. I think Yedlin. He, with all the other fullback options you have, you know, when you have uh, you have uh, Chandler, Fabian Johnson, and. Um, Demarcus Beasley, I think those three guys. When you consider the fact that Chandler and Johnson can play right or left, I think those three guys can handle those those, those slots. So Yedlin, I think you know, I don't I don't think he'll be needed, but I think he will help the team. I think when when you think about, and I've said this before, uh, and, and some people can write it off or, or say it's under underestimating Yedlin, but I think I think his speed helps the team training. I think he can give them a look. I think he can try to go at people. Look, he's not Cristiano Ronaldo, but at least you can kind of, uh, you know, duplicate his speed to a certain degree. Uh, I don't. I don't I, that that being said, I just think he's raw defensively. So I don't know about putting him in any of these games. I got to be honest. And as far as Brooks goes, if Cameron, if Cameron Beasley and Gonzalez are your top three, I think it'll be tough for Brooks to get in there. I, th- I think you know. I think that's your three. I think right now Cam- Cameron is looking like the favorite right now. I think Beasler Cameron is looking like the preferred center back tandem. Uh, so if those are your two and then Gonzalez is your third, Brooks is going to have a hard time getting cracking in that group. Uh, that's interesting because Corey Thompson asks, do you believe that Green and Brooks were not guaranteed spots? Is that a question? Are you asking a question? That was not in the form of – I'm doing my Alex Trebek. Uh, that was not in the form of a question. <laughs> um, well, look, to, to his question – no, I don't think they were guaranteed spots. I think that's a little conspiracy theory absurdism. Uh, I think they still had to show what they can do with Brooks. Brooks had to fight his way back into the picture. I don't. I tell you what, if, if Brooks had stayed on the bench, if he had not fought his way out of the doghouse at, at Herta, if he had not, you know, regained his spot for the last month or so and gotten those games and and showed the improved form that he had, I don't think he'd be here. I don't think he'd be here. I think Tim Ream would have beat him out. But I think I think Brooks showed something there. And so you, I think it's a, way too dismissive of Brooks to say, oh, he had to be guaranteed. So I think that's mm-hmm. ridiculous. I think he showed it. He earned it. He got his starts. He's you know he he's a starting center back in the Bundesliga. Like and he was Bundesliga Player of the Week one of the last weeks of the season. Like the guy has got some quality, right? He it's not all about how bad he looked against Ukraine. Uh, you know that he did look bad, no doubt about it. But I think he's got quality. I think he it, it deserves to be on the team. As far as Green goes, only Green and yet only Green and Klinsman know, right? Only only they know. Um. And and that's the question, right? I mean, is that a fair trade-off? If if you believe, if you're a coach, right, and you believe that you can get yourself a a a generation impacting talent, if you can get him at a young age, do you promise him a World Cup spot? I mean, I, I find it hard to believe that Klinsman would do that. Um, but if he did it, like, who would blame him? If you believe he's as good 
as a lot of people think he is. Uh, so, and I, I had this debate on, on on Twitter with someone who was on, who was on the whole how is Green there but Donovan isn't, and and like so my point was like, well, yes, Donovan's resume is clearly better. But if you if you if you asked right if you ask clubs around the world right now who they'd rather have, mm-hmm. I don't know if it necessarily would be Donovan, right? I think Green, eighteen year old, extremely talented. Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola likes this kid. He's brought him to preseason. He's brought him to midseason with Bayern. He's played him in friendlies. He played him in the Champions League game. You like he has to have some quality. They don't just do that with a million kids, right? So I think how do you overlook that, right? He has talent. As Taylor, as Taylor mentioned to us in 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 the interview, Taylor's watched him train. You know, if if he didn't look the part, I think we would have heard about it by now. We definitely would have heard about it by now. So give the kid some credit. I know he's not playing first division, but the guy is still on the books at Bayern Munich. And as Taylor pointed out rightly, you can say what you want about fourth division Germany, but Landon Donovan, most of his experience before the O2 World Cup had been in fourth division Germany. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think I think uh, it's way too easy for people to dismiss Green. And I, and I think he's got something. To, he, he I think he does bring something to the table. Next question comes from JC. If a player on the roster gets injured, who do you believe gets called back in? What name for striker, midfield, and defensive back? Was this the NFL? NFL draft? Defensive back? Um, that, Joker, that, that, that's what he has. He has defensive back, Ivis. I mean, he wants to know who's going to be well, called ripping, in for the I'm defensive back. Don't be mean to JC. He supports the show every week. Settle down. Rip who I want. Sorry, JC. Terrence Boyd. Terrence, Terrence Boyd, Joe Corona. Again, again, it depends, right? I mean, if it's an uh, an offensive minded midfielder, it's Joe Corona. If something happened to Jones or Beckerman, I think Maurice Dewey get the ball. Uh, and defensively, it's along those lines, right? If if the fullback is injured, uh, that's a that's an interesting one. If it's fullback is injured, I'll say Parkhurst. I, I don't. I just don't think Evans is in great form. Uh, and then if it's if a center back is injured, uh, I think you go Goodson. So I, I think it's pretty straightforward. Well, he asked for and, he asked for a defensive back, Ivis. Come on, I mean, if I would call in Patrick Peterson, that's who I would call in. I don't watch NFL enough to know <laughs> any yeah, NFL is dead to me. What? You're a Redskins ah. fan? Well, they, exactly my point. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I just don't have time to watch it. I told I said I've said it a million times. It's the only sports I kind of follow at this point in my in my life. Uh, obviously, soccer has taken over my life. UFC and boxing. That's it. That's all I have time for. And it's, you know, it is what it is. Uh, next question comes from Mike DeSico. Who takes the penalties now? Then he asks, please, not Dempsey. Yeah, I don't think it's Dempsey. Uh, well, maybe it's, I mean, I don't know. He hasn't been a good penalty taker. Michael Bradley. Michael Bradley. Um, I know Josie Altador got passed over for penalties in, in, in the, um, for uh, when Sunderland had PKs. Um, Hmm. Yeah, Mike. your hands in? I don't know how his PK track record is. So I gotta. Uh, that's a good question. Michael Bradley. I'll say Michael Bradley. Uh, next question comes from Cami Essig. What are your thoughts on Klinsman's son's comments? Big deal or just a teenager with a bad judgment call? Well, <laughs> we you know we we had to, we had to touch on this topic because I know there's a lot of people freaking out over this whole. Twittergate, uh, unfortunate tweet fiasco. <laughs> Jurgen Klinsmann's son, for those who missed it, uh, tweeted out a couple of tweets basically bashing Donovan. Um, and, you know, obviously that's not, you know, 
when you're the coach's son and the son just made like the most controversial uh, decision in recent memory and then you bash the guy who he cut who happens to be one of the more beloved players in national team history, it's going to cause a bit of a stir. Um, and, you know, it, it's interesting because people want to, like, try to look into it and say, you know, did the things he say? Is that how Klinsman feels? Um, maybe it, And you know what? Maybe it is how he feels. And, you know, it is, we don't know for sure. We, we don't have that uh, on record. We don't have it official. But all I can't – all I will say – what I will say is this. You know what? Kids kids say the darnest things. Kids sometimes do dumb things. Young people, uh, you know, I'm sound, I got my curmudgeonly old man hat on right now. But young people tend to think impulsively, tend not to think and act impulsively, don't think about consequences, and sometimes shoot their mouths off. So, you know what? This kid, you know, he, he's a kid, right? He just said what he said. And, and I know some people are going to be like, well, where does he get this from? He he must it must come from Jurgen. Jurgen must you know must uh, have corrupted his mind about Landon Donovan. Who knows, right? But my, I, I'm just not one who's quick to jump on a parent because of the stupidity of 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 that person's kid. I have two boys. I've got a ten year old and a six year old, and I you know what? I wouldn't trust my ten year old to to not say something. My my ten year old says dumb things all the time. He said he says awkward things all the time, and I'm like you know what? You probably shouldn't have said that or you should think about what you say. That's the whole point. Kids don't think about what they say. And they definitely, you know, uh, they don't think about what they tweet either. And that's not just young kids. That's even like people in their mid to early to mid 20s even. Uh, what, are you, you know? what, are you, what are you trying to say, dude? I'm not, I'm not going to say any names. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm not, you know, but anyway. But you know what? Who knows, right? I mean, I'm sure that'll be asked to Klinsman uh, on Friday uh, about his son's tweet. And what what do you say? He like he's a, hey. he's a kid. He's a kid that made a mistake. That that it's a you know what it's a learning lesson in life. Yeah, learn to keep your mouth shut. And Twitter is evil, also. Yeah, it's good it's, too. But Twitter's evil can be evil also. Yeah, well, it, you know what? Get your kids off Twitter. That's the lesson of the day. Yeah, I I would concur with you on that. Except I don't have kids yet, so I can't tell them that. Uh, next question, Ivis comes from Kenneth Fisher. Can you make a solid case for Davis? I also want to mention how stoked I am to see Chris Wondolowski on this roster. Uh, well, you know what? They, I think we've said it now. He's a he's a specialist. He's a he's a left footed player, uh, a, a left winger, a pure left winger who can provide quality service. Um, is he someone you necessarily start? No, but is he someone who could come off the bench and give you some service, give you some set pieces, give you some corner kicks when you're getting late in the game and you're trailing and you need some you, you need some service into the penalty area? Absolutely, he can give you that, no doubt about it. So I think from that standpoint, he fills a role. Um, you know, I, I was surprised. I really could, he had kind of fallen off my radar just because of how he looked in in the games this year for the national team, where he, he had a lot of uncharacteristic turnovers and he just was a little sloppy in his play. But it doesn't change the fact that. He's got a great left foot. He serves. He, he provides some of the best service there is among Americans, and he's a set piece threat. So from that standpoint, he does bring things to the table that are unique. And when you have a twenty three man roster, if you can bring in a specialist who fills a void that no other players are filling, why not do it? And the final question comes from I just lost that Ivis because I'm horrible. Uh, ODC Shaggy more shocking to find out Santa wasn't real or Landon Donovan not going to Brazil than he asked does Garrett know about Santa yet <laughs> I don't know does Garrett know do you know about Santa I figured it out I Santa Claus one time wrote us a letter 
that was also in the same handwriting as my dad's handwriting, and that's when I figured out Santa wasn't real. Nice. So was that what happened? Yeah, that's what. That's how I found out Santa wasn't real. How'd you? That was like last month, actually. <laughs> so stupid. We, we, we did not. No, I, I feel like that's a big part of everyone growing up. You know, when when you realize yeah, that your parents honestly, have been lying to you for years. Oh, that's not how it works. I think, honestly, I think a lot of people figure it out on their own and. And they just kind of play along with the life for a couple of years until it's pretty clear that everyone knows. It's, it's, hopefully there are no, like, seven-year-olds who listen to the SBI show and we've just ruined their lives by outing, the, uh, outing Santa Claus's uh, existence. Well, we, we ruined everyone's life by talking about the end to Godzilla last week. So look at us. just, just... <laughs> yeah, It's Godzilla. It's a remake. It's, listen. The original, the original Godzilla movies were like 60 years old. If you hadn't figured out by now what happens in these movies, get over it. <laughs> I, hey, you know what's funny? I will say hmm. since now, now, you know, we've gone on a Godzilla tangent. It is a little freaky being out in the San Francisco area now and never been here before. Now I come here like days after having watched God, Godzilla destroy San Francisco. So I was on the train uh, on the little light rail thing going to the rental car shop. And it's like 1 a.m. Uh, Monday night, and I swear I'm sitting there waiting for waiting to see monsters come out of the come out of the <laughs> night. But no, they didn't come out. Unfortunately, that's too bad. It's okay. I got I got I got my big SUV rental that'll uh, protect me. I'm oh, driving nice. a condo on wheels for nice. for those who. Good for you. It's what happens when you get go to the when you show up at the rental car uh, counter at 1 a.m. with your guaranteed reservation, and they have no cars left, and they try to. Offer you a minivan, and then you're like, yeah, I don't think so. And then they give you the uh, expedition, which can fit like an army. Yeah, it's great. What's wrong with the minivan? It could have been like a, a town and country. Those are pretty nice. No, come on, expedition. It's well, you know, I tell you what, uh, Ford Expedition is the it's it's the biggest car I've ever been in, let alone driven. The first night <laughs> when I drove back, when I drove to my hotel, I, I I was like driving 40 miles an hour. I just didn't know what to do because this car is so huge. But you know what? I got I got used to it. By the next day, is driving it fine. It, it, it handles really well. So I I might I think I'm slowly in this eight day trip out here driving this condo on wheels. I feel like I'm I'm being transformed from a sedan guy to an SUV guy. I think it's inevitable now. Nice, dude. Good for you. I don't know. The whole gas thing is the issue, though. Right? That is true. That kind of sucks. Gas guzzlers. That's the big problem. And I'm sure living in New York, I mean, gas prices are also probably insane out there. Ah, probably, you know what? I, compared to the rest of the country, Jersey, J- well, New Jersey gas prices are pretty good. Oh, really? So, yeah. Huh. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, let's go. All right. Well, Ivis, man, I'll uh, I'll let you go, man. So we uh, so you can get some sleep and then get ready to provide us with some more U.S. Men's National Team coverage. Next yeah, week. it's time. To, it's time to get some rest and get ready for what should be a very entertaining press conference as Jurgen Klinsmann uh, addresses the media for the first time. Since announcing this roster, and 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 I'm setting the over under on Landon Donovan questions at twelve and a half. So we'll see how many get answered, but uh, it should be interesting to hear hear that if I, hear how many times we get uh, how many Landon Donovan questions we get, and how many questions into the press conference do we get the what's up with your son's tweets question because it's gonna come. I'm not gonna. Uh, I don't think I'm gonna be the one to ask that question, but I'm sure someone will ask that question. Yeah, that's yeah, that's gonna be awkward. <sighs> All right, Ivis. Yeah, I know. All right, man. We'll uh, we'll catch him sleep, and uh, I'll talk to you on Sunday night. Yes, sir. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Oh, also, Ivis, have a good time at San Jose. And if you see Ivis there, remember, everyone, buy him a Cosmopolitan. Please buy him one. 
Yes, if you're at Buckshaw on Sunday, I will be in the house. And, uh, yeah, come say hi. And uh, you know what? I'm looking forward to it because I, actually I have uh, quite a few people that I know out here. Uh, so this is my first time out, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to catching up with some old, old friends. Remember, Cosmopolitans or Sex on the Beach. <laughs> Buy one of Ivis, one of those two drinks. Listen, Jack and Cokes for me, Shirley Temple through there. Yeah, just remember that next time you're at a party with us. <laughs> Everyone knows I drink PBR. Come on, Ivis. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. All right, everyone. Uh, have a good night. Ivis, you have a good night. I'll talk to you later. Sounds good. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the reviews. This is the SBI Show.